0: In honor of Thanksgiving Day, I've titled this morning's message, Turkey. So, Father, I pray today that you would transform us so that we would not have turkey faith, but we would have a true faith, a real faith, a faith that the world can see and that the lost people can see and believe moving forward in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said amen and we've gone through these scriptures several times Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forevermore and there's a term or a definition that we've been using for Hebrews 13 8 and it's immutable and that means not changing or unable to be changed over time and I'm so glad God is unable to be changed by Joel's circumstances and and Joel's situation but I serve a God that can change my circumstances and situations my circumstances don't change him but he can surely change mine, amen? I'm glad we serve a God like that, and, and He is immutable, He doesn't change, and we've used this verse of Scripture in Revelation 19:10. worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, and testimony means what He has done, prophecy is a, what He's about to do, so worship God for the testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy setting us up for what He is about to do again right now in our midst, in our lifetime, amen? How many of you are ready for a great movement of God? right now right here in our lifetime that we get to say change the course of history come on now Man, man, I'm excited about something like that. Amen. They, they've happened in the past. And so my thought is, if it's happened in the past and, and, and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, God, why not now? Why not with us? Why not with Sulphur Springs? Why not with this church right here in this four-state area? Can you not start a great movement? And if you've done it through things in the past that were smaller and seemingly more insignificant than we are here in this city, you can surely do it with us, right? Here in Sulfur Springs, Texas. Can I get an amen on that? And so I'm ready for that dynamic movement of God to begin to take place. And if He's gonna do it, we've got to realize that we are more than hot air. You have more than hot air coming out of your lungs. There are certain things that God tell that, that God tells us to do, and He wants to answer His prayers not just for us, but Through us, that makes us co-laborers, equally responsible partners in the kingdom of God. Now, it is great as a believer, amen, when you pray a prayer and God immediately steps in and answers it. Can I get an amen on that? And that is awesome, and we use that as a great sign of spiritual maturity many times. And that is not wrong to look at it like that. But I also think a greater sign of spiritual maturity is not just when God answers prayers for us, but he says, Joel, I know where you stand, and I'm going to answer somebody else's prayers Through you, moving forward. So look around at your neighbor. Everybody look around. Say, y'all look good. And I'm the answer to your prayer. You are the answer to somebody's prayer. You are the answer to somebody's prayer. And and that should excite us as believers. When you walk into Walmart, you're the answer to somebody's prayer. Last week when we fed over 1,100 families Thanksgiving dinners, you were the answer to somebody's prayer. So God says, I don't just want to do things, I want to do things through you and make you equally responsible partners or co-laborers in this thing called the ministry of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think we miss it many times because there's a lot of times God's told us to do something and we're asking God to do it. Yeah. See, we're saying God healed them and God said you healed them, right? We're saying, God, can you not go meet that need? And God's saying, yes, I'm going to meet it through you. Get in your car and go meet that need. Come on, there's a lot of things we're asking God to do that God's telling us to do. And so when we, when we get the cart back behind the horse and do it in the right, proper order, God begins to do things in our life, and we become more than just a lot of hot air. And last week, we talked about a message called Walk This Way, and everyone in the Bible says this in Matthew 7, 24, and then everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, everybody say, and does them, See, we cannot just be people who hear a great message and then go out and say, wow, what a great message. Because the Bible says those people are like people who build their house on sand. And when the winds and the rains and everything else comes, it collapses. But the Bible says, he who hears these words of mine and does them... Equally responsible partners, co-laborers, amen, are like those who built their house on the rock, and the rains came, and the winds came, and the floods came, and it did not fall. See, action creates an event, but anointed action creates kingdom. Action creates an event, but anointed action creates kingdom, and there's an anointing of God on every one of your lives here this morning, amen. Everybody in this room has the anointing of God on their life. The problem is the anointing hasn't been activated because there's no action. When anointing hits action, it becomes anointed action and kingdom is created. And so you being anointed, when you step out to be somebody's answer to prayer, it's anointed action and kingdom manifests before your very eyes. And so this morning, as we jump into today's message, we're going to talk about um, uh, the, the message title is called Turkey. And Derek Dillon said this last week as we were talking. He said, many times we want the blessing before we want to give thanks. There's a lot of times we say, God bless me and then I'll thank you. We want the blessing before we want to give thanks many times. But faith says, I'm giving thanks before I actually see the blessing. That's why it's not thanksgiving any longer it's giving thanks on the stage it's no longer thanksgiving it's giving thanks and we as believers we if we would start giving thanks before the blessing would come by faith Many times you would actually then begin to see the blessing manifest right before your very eyes. And we're going to learn about all this and this concept this morning. And I've entitled this message Turkey because this, this is the term we use many times when people act silly or foolish, right? When my kids are acting silly, I call them, hey, you big old turkey. Have you all ever said that to somebody? Like a turkey is the term when people are acting silly, when people are acting foolish, when people are acting um, uh, out of the ordinary. And so in honor of Turkey Day, I wanted to title it Turkey, but I wanted to also ask you this question. Do we have turkey faith? Do we have turkey faith? And I'm not talking about a faith that looks silly to the world because, get this, all faiths should look silly to the world, right? I'm not talking about a faith that looks silly to the world. All faith and actions of faith should look silly to the world that is lost and dying because the Bible even says the faith should look foolish to those who are perishing. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. So our acts of faith should look foolish to the world. When Sherry Chester goes around the world to Africa, it should look silly to the rest of the world. But it should not look silly to the people who are born again and walk by faith. Amen. And so we've got to begin to understand, I'm not talking about the world. A lot of people, when they read the Bible, they try to put biblical standards on lost people, and that's why we don't get results. That's where we mess up. Paul was not writing to the lost world, he was writing to the church. And so all the issues he's addressing uh, 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 of the sexual immorality, of the drunkenness of all that, he wasn't writing to the lost people. And you think we got a jacked-up church sometimes. <laughs> Have you ever read 1st and 2nd Corinthians? <laughs> Come on now. Have you ever read it? And so in this, our faith should look silly to those who are perishing. I'm talking about, this is what I am talking about. I'm talking about a facade of faith that looks and sounds good to the religious ears, but is really silly or no faith at all in the eyes of God. That's turkey faith. A faith that looks good or is a facade, it looks good and sounds good to the religious ear, but in the eyes of God, it's really not faith at all. That's the faith I want to address this morning. The faith that we think is really faith and it looks good and it sounds good to the religious people, but, but it's really not faith at all in the eyes of God. I consider that turkey faith. It's silly. Let me give you an example. How many of you all, you're praying and say, ooh, God, I'm praising you. You're about to do. Right? Get ready. He's about to. All the about to's is not faith. All the about to's are not faith. Faith is saying God is doing it right now. I'm walking in it. I'm seeing the fullness of it. I'm giving thanks for it even before I see the physical manifestation of it. See, if you're sick, I'm going to get down here. I, I want to be with you this morning because you're not alone in this. I've felt victim to this many times in my life, and I still do. If you are sick, you sitting there praying, I'm about to be healed, I'm about to be healed, I'm about to be healed, is not faith at all. Faith is always present tense. Tense. It's always in the now. Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is. Saying God is about to isn't faith because you're putting him off at some time in the future. The testimony of Jesus, what he has done is the spirit of prophecy, what God is doing now and is pouring out now. And, and, and I do say it like this. He is about to because he's waiting on a people of faith to say he, he is doing it now so he can bring his about to into your present tense. Does that make sense? Uh, Do we understand that? So so every time Joel prays a prayer with his about to's, I got to retract and saying I got to step away from that and get over here in this element of faith and get in this area where I don't think God's about to. I believe it's already done because of the cross of Calvary and because it's already been done 2,000 years ago. I can call it to be in the present tense as of now because he already completed it then. My sickness wasn't about to happen because the cross already occurred. Let me repeat. My sickness wasn't about to be healed because the cross already occurred. My sickness was paid for then, so I can declare it in the now and walk in it in the right now. And so I want us to get out of this religious, modern day, Pharisaical type of faith that's really not faith at all. Amen. And in the church, come on. Because there's a lot of times we set ourselves up to be just like the Pharisees, the the people who knew the law, or or the Sadducees that that are in the Bible. We set ourselves up in that level because we put on this religious facade of faith that's really not faith at all. And in the church today, there's this facade of faith of of God's all-powerful, and he's about to, if God's all-powerful, he can do it right now, so let's call it in now. The testimony of what he's done is the spirit of what he's about to do when God's people get into faith and start giving thanks for it now as if it's already then. The Bible says in Romans, say those things that be not as though they already were. Come on. We then begin to operate in a faith and listen. Oh, this isn't. Here we go. When you begin to operate in faith, you're not putting a demand on God. You're putting a demand on you to believe God and what he said is already true. You're not commanding God to do anything. You're putting a demand on you. Jesus never commanded God to do anything. He put a demand on his belief in his father so much so that he called those things that be not as though they were and spoke it. So, so, so all these people who are out there saying, well, you can't tell God what to do. We're not telling God what to do. You don't tell the creator of the universe what to do. But I can say, according to scripture and what he paid for 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, that he said, My sins are forgiven. So I can say right now in the present tense, I am forgiven. I'm putting a demand on my faith to receive that forgiveness and walk in the anointing of God, even though my shortcomings are trying to hold me back. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. And if some of you would start exercising faith in the area of forgiveness, your healing would occur. Come on. Right. Come on now. If you would start exercising your faith in forgiveness, healing would manifest. And a lot of times I don't believe you got such a faith problem. There's a love problem and a hope problem. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And Galatians says faith worketh by love. So, so faith is a great tool in the whole process, but it's contingent on two other parts, and that is hope and love. And the Bible says, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I'm getting back to my notes. i, I got to get back on this. we got to get rid of this pharisaical type of faith, and we've got to start living a faith that the lost people will begin to see. Seeing is believing When we begin to live out our faith, the lost people will see it. And for the lost, seeing is believing. Do we understand that? The Bible says this. They will see your good deeds and give glory or praise to your Father in heaven. So for the lost person out there, seeing is believing. For the born again person, seeing is a result of us believing. Come on now. For the saved person, seeing is a result of our believing. We must begin to live actively. He who hears these words of mine and does them, lives them out by faith. When we begin to live them out by faith, we will see the results of our believing. And I want to see so much of the results of my believing that lost people see it and believe and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because they saw a miracle or they saw forgiveness, or they saw somebody transformed, or they saw somebody delivered from alcohol, or they saw the results of our faith and they come flocking to Jesus. Come on. Because they see the results of our faith. Jesus did not have a problem attracting sinners. Can I get an amen on that? The church of America today has a big problem in attracting sinners. They don't want to come anywhere around us. But with Jesus, he couldn't get rid of them because they saw his faith and believed. Jesus, seeing his results because he believed, attracted the masses to him. And they believed in him because they saw his faith. In our church today, TWBC, I want us to begin to press into this standard where we don't just have a faith that we talk about, we have a faith that we walk about so much so that lost people see it and believe. Is that not what the heart of the church should be? Because where, where I struggle and even and even pastoring, it's God we're praying that we would have such a revelation and a movement of you. But my concern is so much this, that we've had such a facade of faith that was really no faith at all. Because if it was faith, we would see the results of it, and lost people would see it and believe. So that's what we're trying to overcome this morning. That's where we're moving on this morning. And so in this, we must begin to see what God is going to do. And I love this uh, about Jesus. Jesus and the other writers of the Bible never denied the existence of a problem. Jesus never denied the existence of a problem. Most people in your walk of faith, you you, you think like this. If I'm in faith, I got to deny the existence of a problem. You do not have to deny the existence of the problem. You actually have to recognize that there is a problem so the miracle can happen. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't recognize that there is a problem or there's a problem at hand, you can't operate in faith to see God meet that problem. And so we've got to get rid of this facade of faith that says, I'm not recognizing that there isn't a problem. In fact, all the great heroes of faith recognized the enormity of their problem and this, that there was no natural solution. Jesus recognized the enormity of problems and realized there was no natural solution. When you look at a problem and realize there is no natural solution, as a believer, you should get excited more than ever before because when you know there's no natural solution, there can only be a supernatural solution and that means God's going to have to come through in a way that seeing is then believing for the lost and seeing is a result of my believing as a believer. Come on now, that's good. The writers of the Bible never denied the existence of a problem. What they did... They denied the problem influence on their faith. They did not let the problems influence their faith. The writers of the Bible never denied the existence of problems, they denied the problems the ability to influence what they believed. Come on now. When when Jesus saw the blind man, he didn't deny that the man was blind. Come on now, get with me on that. He didn't deny that the man was blind. He didn't let the blindness, though, influence his faith so much, he changed it, he let his faith influence the blindness. Ooh, come on, that'll change somebody's life. Jesus did not deny the deaf person could hear. He didn't deny it. And many times, we deny the problem thinking it's faith. No, he didn't deny the problem. He denied the problem, a place of influence in his life, though. Those of you who have an issue with worrying and you are constant in a state of worry and you have anxiety and you got all these problems and you're popping all kinds of pills to take care of anxiety and worry and everything else you've got to quit you got to quit quit allowing the issue of worry or whatever a place of influence on your faith. Yeah, right. What you have to start doing is realizing if I'm worrying about this issue I am letting this issue influence my faith. And so now, being a man of faith, I recognize there's a problem with worrying. And so then I don't deny that I'm worrying. I go back to my faith and say, faith, i recognizing there's an issue with worrying. So now you must influence this area of worry in my life and transform the worry into a place where seeing is believing. See, a lot of times we've had turkey faith, silly faith. And we've tried to act with a facade that was really no faith at all. When actual, we must not deny that a problem exists, but we must deny the problem a place of influence in our life. True story. Happened to me in the last 24 hours. Right? Whenever there's a long break... Between worship services, I always get a little anxiety about preaching the next morning. Like I woke up last night about 3 in the morning and nervous about this morning. Oh my goodness, am I prepared enough? Oh my goodness, am I ready enough? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, goodness, did I go through this? And I start going through this checklist in my head of all the stuff that, that normally is natural to me, but because we didn't have service Wednesday, it threw my order off. And so now I'm in this place of anxiety and in the middle of the night, I recognized this place of anxiety in my life. And I stopped it and I said, I'm recognizing that I'm worrying about something I shouldn't worry about. And so faith, now you come in and take influence over this anxiety. And I give this to you, God, because it's your service. It's your church. And I declare I will not worry about this because you're going to move this morning in Jesus' name. And I fell right back to sleep. Now, now, now listen, if your pastor has these issues... <laughs> Right? I know there's a lot of other people who have these issues. And I'm trying to give you living truth examples in my life of where I've missed it. And Joel has to make corrections to change it. And quit giving his problems greater influence and let his faith have greater influence on his problems so the problems change and line up with the kingdom and not so much the opposite where I line up with the way the world reacts. See, because one or two things are going to happen. either your problem's going to line up with kingdom, or you're going to line up with your problem. And many of us are walking problems in our life because we're lining up with them instead of them lining up with who God has created us to be. I want to read you a, a, a verse of scripture in Second Samuel, chapter six, verses 12 through 16. And this is when King David was about to bring the the Ark of the Covenant back into the city of David, the city of Jerusalem. And in verse 12, it picks up like this, and it says, And it was told, King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because the Ark of God was in his house. Now, I'm just going to say, when the presence of God is in your life, if this happened in the Old Testament, the presence of God was physically in his house, all that he had was blessed. This is a side note, man. Just put the presence of God in your life, and he's going to bless everything you got. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And now here's where, where I want to get into this. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had, had gone six steps, just six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fatted animal. And David danced before. Everybody say, Before. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. And so David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before. Everybody say before Before. the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Now, King David had the same problem that Joel T. Meyer has. King David had the problem of how do I get the presence of God to enter my city? Joel's problem is the exact same. My prayer is, God, I want your presence to infiltrate this city so much that there's a citywide celebration of the presence of God as it enters our city. He had the same problem that I had. And as the great writers of the Bible, they don't deny deny that the problem exists. They deny the problem a place of influence. I'm not denying that the problem exists. Our city needs the presence of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Our four-state area needs the presence of God. The United States of America needs the presence of God. This world needs the presence of God. I'm not denying that it exists, but what I am denying is the impossibility for it to happen. Because my God said all things are possible to those who believe. And bless God, I'm not putting a demand on him, but I am putting a demand on my faith to believe him to a point that the citywide movement will begin to manifest and it'll take over a four-state area and it'll sweep across our nation. Amen. 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 I'm not denying the problem, but I am denying it a place of influence in my life. Now, here's where we got to get to. I said in that passage of scripture, he used the word before twice the first time it says David danced before the Lord that means literally in his presence he danced before the Lord the second time he danced he danced ahead of the Lord okay do you understand the difference when we read the scripture, you can actually read it like this. And so David brought up the ark from the house of God of Obed-Edom, six steps. And when all those who, saw, um, who bore the ark of God had gone six steps, he sacrificed an animal. And David danced before the Lord. And now jump down to verse 16. And when, and when she looked out the window and saw um, King David leaping and dancing ahead of the Lord, she despised him in her heart. What am I getting at here? Many people say it takes faith to follow God. It does. Others say it takes great faith to walk with God. And it does. But I want to say something this morning that I hope it rattles your religious theology. What kind of faith does it take to go ahead of God? Because I've never been told this in my life. When I was studying this past week for this, I had to stop and even question, will I even have the faith to put this in this message? Because I've always been told, you need to follow God, you need to walk with God. I've never been told, Joel, you need to have enough faith to go ahead of God and let the presence of God follow you and you usher in something into a city. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Because I believe this, if we're going to be men and women of faith, We are following God, we are walking with God, but that God is looking for a group of people that have this spirit on him that's the John the Baptist mentality that says, go and prepare the way of the Lord. Go ahead of me into the city. Go ahead of me into the four-state area. Go ahead of me into the region. You prepare the way because, Joel, I got a movement coming. I just got to have some people of faith to go ahead of me and not just keep following me because a lot of us want to follow the blessing and give thanks for it when we see it. God says, I want you to go ahead of me and start giving thanks for it because it's following you into the city come on now 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 we got to we got to begin to think this is is this the real faith that Jesus is talking about so much so that we trust the father to an extent that we're going to be the two faithful spies not the 10 unfaithful that were sent out before the whole nation See, see, here's the thing about great leaders. They're never renowned for greatness in their time because they're ahead of their time. I would love to get all of us get to heaven one day and, and God say, Joel, you were a church that was way ahead of your time and you prepared the way for the great movement of God that took place. And being ahead of our time does not mean we're out of step with God. It actually means we're walking by faith in step with where God has us to be. So the rest of the world that's lost can say seeing is believing because I've noticed I saw what they believed and I saw the results of their faith in their believing. As the church, as the body of Christ, You probably won't hear many pastors say this. I'm asking you to question your faith. Not your love for Jesus, not your salvation experience. You better make sure you're born again, okay? But I'm asking you to question your faith. Have I been living by turkey faith and having this facade that looks good to the religious world and looks good to the church in America as we know it and looks good and sounds good, but in the eyes of God, it's really not faith at all. I'm asking you to question that this morning. I'm asking you to put into great scrutiny your faith and begin to say I am going to be a man and woman of faith beginning now. I'm not about to do it because that's still not faith. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it right now moving forward. Because God is looking for a people that will worship before him. But in doing so and worshiping before him, he gives you great anointing to go ahead of him, as David did, and prepare the city for the presence of God that's about to enter. And now here is the shaky thing about the whole story. It wasn't people outside of David's house that despised him. It was people in his house. It won't be people outside of the Christian realm that despise us. It will be people that love Jesus. It will be people that worship and go to church every Sunday. It will be. And you got to answer yourself this question Will I still stand in the midst of people of my own house despising me? And I, I good, I got three more minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and take this rabbit trail. We know how the story goes. The Bible says that, that, that um, David's wife didn't have any children the rest of her life. Most people, and I'm not saying they're wrong, I just have a different th- thought on this say that she was barren. The Bible doesn't say she was barren. The Bible said she did not have children. When she despised people of their own household, when she despised King David's worship and the entering of the presence of God, he never had intimate relation with her again. This is why you never judge somebody else's worship. Don't despise somebody in your own house just because they're different than you. Just because I kneel down at the front and you stand at the back, I don't despise your worship. Because Lord knows some of you at the back are praying heaven, heaven down for us up at the front. So, so I don't, where you stand in the midst of a worship service, it, it doesn't change my perspective on how you worship. If you stand like this the whole time, it doesn't change my perspective. If you're flamboyant and you kneel down, like this, it doesn't change my perspective because I'm not judging your worship. Because I read the Bible and I saw that David had no relation with her the rest of her life when worship was, I I, I don't want Jesus, my king, to not have relationship with me. Because I'm making fun of somebody else. And this is why you'll never hear me talk bad about other churches. You'll never hear me talk bad about other pastors. In fact, you'll hear me praise other churches and praise other pastors. Because I will not... Speak against God's anointed people and cause that to be the separation between me and other, a, a, and my Savior. Now listen, it doesn't mean you'll lose your salvation. But have you ever been in a fight with your spouse and your relationship wasn't where it should be? How uncomfortable it was in the house. I, I'm telling you, this is so, such a massive spiritual concept that the church has to get. When we will praise other people for where they're at in their faith and not despise them where they're at. I believe God honors that. And I want to close this message like this. In your walk of faith that you are highly putting under a microscope this morning. And you are going to have a faith that is doing and a faith that is being and a faith that is so out there seeing is a result of your believing that it happens so much so that lost people come and they start seeing and believing in your life. I want you to leave here with this great assurance of this one statement God has the answer before you ever had the problem. God has the answer before you ever had the problem. If he had the answer before you ever had the problem, you're walking into your answer when you're walking by faith. The reason many of us don't walk into our answer is because we keep saying God's about to. He had the answer before you ever knew the problem existed. He had the answer before the addiction ever showed up. He had the answer before you were born because Jesus Christ went to the cross 2,000 years ago. He is the answer. And he had the answer before your problem ever appeared on the scene. So when you walk by faith in the midst of your problem, not denying your problem, but in the midst of your problem, you're walking into your answer. And many of you, by saying God's about to, have put off your answer. And this morning I'm asking you to put a demand on your faith. I'm asking you to put a demand on your faith so much so that it drives you to action. Yeah. That when you leave here, your household's gonna be different after today because it drove you to action. You're changing something in your life. When you leave here today, it's not a message that you heard that said, wow, I'm so glad I don't have turkey faith. Because if you leave here and don't do anything with this message, you're proving you have turkey faith. And I'm praying God imparts a spirit of faith in you this morning that helps you follow Him, that lets you walk with Him, but so much so it pushes you out ahead of Him. And you're preparing a way for His glory to enter this city, this church, this place. A physical example of this is those of you who come and pray over the worship services before they even start. You get here early. You come ahead. (laughs) You prepare the way for the glory. That's what I'm talking about. Now, if all y'all want to show up early next Sunday, great. I would love it. But I, I don't need you to just do it at church. I don't need you to just do it on Sundays. I need you to begin to do it in every aspect of your life. So much so that it drives you forward and even ahead of the movement of God preparing the way. I want to talk about real faith in your life.